Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepMom.com. This is the final episode in my series on parental alienation. It's not the last time I'll talk about it, but I actually have a backlog of crazy hot interviews with amazing guests that I'm dying to share, and most of them are about other topics. I can't sign off on this, though, without talking about the hidden costs of parental alienation. The not-hidden-at-all one, of course, is the toll on your marriage, from the stress of losing contact or visitation or the affection of your kids. This was the most stressful factor in 14 years of our relationship. It affected every aspect of our lives. My husband often found it difficult to visit our friends who have kids. Even going for a barbecue was stressful and painful for him. Everything was a reminder of what he wasn't doing and might never do with his kids. And that meant I either went alone a lot of places or I just didn't go at all. Then there were the holidays. Christmas was a shit show every single year. He'd be alone in a hotel room waiting to see his kids for a few hours, maybe taking them out for a meal instead of cooking an amazing meal from scratch for them like he would have done if they were at home with us. The few times he opted not to do the three-hour snowy drive to see them were equally pathetic. He'd sit by the fire, silently nursing a bottle of wine, not being good company for anyone, least of all me. And it's not about Christmas. I didn't grow up celebrating Christmas. But it would have been really nice to enjoy like one iota of holiday cheer as a couple during those years. I didn't want to go off to holiday parties without him. He didn't want to be around happy people when he was feeling so shitty. And in retrospect, I don't blame him. I totally blamed him at the time. I wanted him to let me make him happy. And in my egocentric but endearing way, I actually believed I could do that. He didn't want to be happy. He wanted his kids with him. And I didn't have that kind of magic wand to wave. So... I know all about the regular out-in-the-open costs of having the gall to break up with someone who will use your kids against you in a cruel head game. But there are other costs beyond relationship stress and lost peace of mind. Let's talk about lost productivity at work. Who can be their most inspired, creative, enthusiastic self with this kind of drama playing out in the background of their life? How can you ever tally up the lost sales, dropped accounts, missed opportunities for advancement, writer's block? And can I put in a word here about headaches? Oh my God, 
My husband has suffered from killer migraines all the years I've known him. I'm not prone to headaches myself. I get a rash when I'm under stress. I've basically been itchy somewhere for every minute of the last 20 years. If it wasn't related to my own divorce, it was about his. Let's move on to something much more serious. Suicidal thoughts. According to an article on the website mensdivorce.com, a study showed that, quote, the risk of suicide among divorced men was over twice as likely as that of married men, unquote. Maybe that's because dads tend to take the hit more when it comes to parental alienation. I'm going to be interviewing some divorced dads on upcoming episodes of this podcast. And we'll talk more about this, but really, we need to help men, our men, all men, to process emotions in a healthy way. I've seen it in my dad, my brother, my husband, my stepsons. Men don't talk the way women do about their inner landscape, their feelings. It's heavy conditioning from day one. And if you're, if you're a highly sensitive woman, you know how easy it is sometimes to just armor up to get through the day without being wounded by something. I think the world is full of highly sensitive men walking around with such heavy armor all, on all the time. They don't even know they're carrying it anymore. I catch myself wanting to make things better for my husband. I want to fix the problems myself. I want to take on his rage and indignation and carry them for him. That's my ego at work. Who do I think I am? Of course, it's natural to want to help someone you love. But in the end, it comes down to me holding space for him to have his big feelings. Knowing that he can't crush me with them. And that I won't pile my own reaction to his feelings back onto his shoulders to carry. I think the most meaningful way I've helped my husband is by becoming a meditator. He got into it, and because he does everything at 110%, he's much more dedicated to that than I am. And good for him. I hate to even mention this, but children also think about harming themselves, and some of them do it. Among my own clients, there are children in this category. There's an article in the British newspaper The Independent, entitled... Rates of self-harm higher for children from broken homes. Here's a quote. Peter Wilson of the children's mental health charity Young Minds said that parents underestimate how deeply young people can be affected by family problems. There is a significant proportion of children who feel very distressed and can find no other way of expressing that than through self-harm. It is an indicator of how desperate some children are, desperate about their lives, their families, and what's going on around them. I don't know about you, but this touches me in a very deep place. It's why I chose to specialize my natural health practice around treating behavior problems in kids. And it's what drives me to do the work I do with step families. I've always felt that I could have more impact in my work by helping children to get what they need so they can develop in a healthy way than to treat them down the road as adults where I'm just helping them mop up the mess from not having had help sooner in life. 
Another hidden cost that can be measured in dollars as well as heartache is litigation, family court. For so many parents, there's just no other way to deal with what's happening. Short of just kidnapping your own children, which no sane parent would ever do, there's no other recourse than the court system to protect your children from emotional and psychological abuse involved in parental alienation. Here's some data from the Toronto Star, a Canadian newspaper. A three-day civil trial is likely to cost at least $60,000, more than the median family income in Canada of $58,000. The estimate is conservative because trials often take longer than three days. Here's a quote. I would say that the average custody case now goes on for five days. Many go on for eight, says Susan McGrath, a former president of the Canadian Bar Association. In a family law case, the bill could easily be $150,000, McGrath says. Are you fucking kidding me? Even if you have that kind of money to throw around, wouldn't you rather, I don't know, buy your kids a house with it? Okay, what about using a guardian ad litem? That's a court-appointed representative of the children who will visit both homes and make an independent recommendation to the court on behalf of the children. How much does a GAL cost? According to the website masslegalhelp.org, there is no fixed rate for GALs. Total costs for GAL investigations and evaluations vary widely. In general, total charges may range anywhere from $3,000 to $20,000 and beyond for more complicated cases. Let's talk about how kids cope with the stress of having their basic family attachments messed with. This definitely falls under the category of what's called ACEs adverse childhood events. There's a fabulous TED talk about this by a medical doctor called Nadine Burke Harris, if you want to look that up. One coping strategy, of course, is substance abuse. The website addictioncenter.com says, Science Daily noted roughly 50% of people who experienced childhood maltreatment developed an addiction. 50%. Three specific types of early childhood adversity, witnessing parental violence, trauma, and major events endured in childhood, contributed to a higher likelihood of substance abuse in the child's life and throughout their later years. The presence of toxic stress, combined with other types of mental health challenges, can further serve as an incentive to cope in harmful ways. Since these traits can follow children into childhood, Getting the child the needed support to fight early childhood adversity is essential. And the cost of that kind of treatment? Inpatient rehab centers cost between $6,000 and $20,000 for a 30-day program. If you need a 60- or a 90-day program, it could cost as much as $60,000. What about the effect on learning and achievement? Who can say? The amygdala is part of the limbic system inside the temporal lobe of your brain. 
when the amygdala is in a state of stress, it becomes overactivated and new information can't pass through it to access the memory. That means when you're in an emotional state of stress, you're not responsive to learning and storing new information. According to the website Edutopia, if students are stressed out, information can't get in. This is a matter of science. So college fees, anyone? What does it cost to put a kid through college if they don't get a scholarship? How can your kids do all the right kinds of extracurriculars and crush their SATs with this kind of inner conflict taking up all their bandwidth? And who's on the hook for those college fees? I think I'm going to stop now before I give someone a stroke. I'm definitely not trying to make you feel hopeless here. I want you to get some perspective. If parental alienation is a feature of your family life, you're going to have to invest a little actual money as well as blood, sweat and tears in solving this problem. And I'm not talking a trip to Disney. You have to make helping your kids a priority. You have to make setting healthy boundaries a priority. You have to make getting out of the battle mindset a priority. You have to make goal setting a priority. My husband has made meditation a priority. Honestly, I'm so proud of him. He meditates for exactly one hour, twice every day. He uses an app called Insight Timer that plays a lovely gong sound at the end of each session, and it tracks how many days in a row he's been sitting. He just passed the landmark of six years without missing a single day. I think I already told you he does everything at 110%. That's what works for him. You might need something else. Maybe therapy, coaching, a great lawyer. We actually had a great lawyer who was so low-key, he kept saying, you don't want to answer this letter. You don't want to go to court. It's too damn expensive. He was a lucky find. I was the one who was all, are you going to let her talk to you like that? You should write her lawyer back and say blah, blah, blah. I thought I could take on the fight sort of pick up the sword and wave it around a little when he was out of energy. My big fat ego again. I couldn't believe I was doing enough by just holding his hand in the lawyer's waiting room and helping him keep track of the paperwork. But I was, and you probably are too. If you heard my interview a few weeks ago with Dorsey Pruder about her High Road to Reunification program, she said... It's the step-parents who are most often the first ones reaching out to her to find help for their partner and his or her kids. And then the bio-parent has to want to do the work. We can't walk around in their shoes. There is something, though, that you can be on right now. Check out the Step Family Summit happening this week, Wednesday through Friday. It's free to sign up and totally worth the few bucks to buy the replays. If you're on my email list, you've already seen the sweet bribes I'm offering to encourage you to sign up. You can have a free 30-minute coaching session with me if you use the link bit.ly Tracy Summit. That's bit.ly slash Tracy Summit. If you choose the VIP option, you get the coaching plus 
a secret index to my unlisted vault of 50 video tutorials about stepmom life. Everything from disengaging, loyalty binds and overstepping, to tap along EFT sequences for reducing stress, jealousy and anger. I'm laying it on thick here today because I want every single one of you to beat the statistics. I want you to stay married or get married. And I want you all to have happy, functional families, even if there's someone rattling the cage really hard at the other end. It will be work. But I know if you have the right support, you can do it. You know what they say, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is now. Essential Stepmom Podcast is produced by me, Tracy Poisner, and is heard in 58 countries, including Cyprus, Costa Rica, Curaçao, Colombia, China, and my home and native land, Canada. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review so we can find stepmoms in countries that start with other letters of the alphabet, like Q and W. In case you didn't know this about me, I'm a certified life coach, and I'm rolling out a comprehensive coaching program aimed at the bio dads to help them parent more effectively and authentically. You can find out more about that by emailing me at info at and we can set up a phone chat to see if it's something your partner might be ready for. I hope to see you at the summit this week. My interview goes live on Thursday, September 17th, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It'll be available for 24 hours. After that, of course, you can buy the replays on audio or video. Music